This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 168. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On episode 168 we kick off the first of a two-part series, a Russian roulette franchise retrospective series looking at the Evil Dead franchise. In this episode we'll be looking at Evil Dead from 1981-1983 if you live in the UK and Evil Dead 2 from 1987. Joining me, my guests that were pulled out of the, the hat and assigned their movie, Russian Roulette Style will be Ryan Lewis and, of course, The Witch from Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. So they'll be joining me to discuss these movies coming up after our first break. But before we get to that, as always, let's do a little bit of housekeeping at the start of this some bitch. So we kicked off Monday with a little bit of a choose your own horror adventure. That's right, we kicked off with the very first movie you guys selected. It was William Friedkin's Bug. I loved it dearly. And right now we're running a poll on the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast, uh, which closes on Monday. This coming Monday. And that poll will allow you to select where we take our journey next. As it stands just now, um, Suicide Club by Sion Sono from 2001 is the runaway favourite. I think it's got about 20 votes, maybe 15 more votes than anything else, which is fucking ridiculous. But stranger things have happened in podcasts under the stairs. If enough people band together, we could be going in any direction. Who knows? Right. Uh, tomorrow, uh, hopefully today, by the way, you got your review in for Deathgasm because... Tomorrow, uh, we drop our Listener Club movie reviews. That's right, it's, it's movie club time. You guys did listener reviews. Um, you did them of Deathgasm, and uh, I have not recorded that episode yet, but I can already get a feeling. I've got a feeling deep in my plums. It's going to be bitching, because why would it not be bitching? I'm looking at you. Can you tell me why it wouldn't be bitching? That's what I thought. On Saturday this week, you're getting a very special bonus episode. Oh, feel the sexy bonus episode, ladies and gents. Uh, It's going to be a little bonus review. That's right, coming your way to slap you right in the puss. Right in the fucking puss. And then, on Sunday, it's time to look at... What was it? uh, 2019, The Fall of New York. I believe that's the movie's name. Sergio Martino. It looks bonkers. It's part of our 88 Films Italian Collection series. Then on Monday, the super secret February episode drops. You will all know about the plans for that one momentarily, but at the moment all I'm going to say is it's a super secret sexy February episode. That's right. It's dropping on Monday or Wednesday. A week today you get the conclusion of this Evil Dead Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. My guests on that half, well, I'm spoiled. I'm not. I am a spoiled 
little slut. Because joining me, I have Andy Blockley and the fantastic Scott from Scotland Liam versus Evil, two of my favourite peeps, joining me to discuss Evil Dead 3, aka Army of Darkness, and uh, the Evil Dead remake. And then, all that wasn't enough, we close out our month, 28th of February, we drop our Thursday episode, which is a recap of everything that happened in the month. So as you can see, there's tons of content still coming your way, ladies and gents. You better strap yourself in, because I'm going in dry. And with that horrible, horrible thought in your mind, let's jump out just now. Let's jump out, because I know why you're here. You're here to hear about some Evil Dead. You're here to hear what my guests think about it. You're here for some Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. With that in mind, we're going to do that right after promos for shows that I love and the trailer for the first movie review. Oh, that is right. It's Evil Dead from 1981. My guest is The Witch, and I'll be coming right back to talk about that movie right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. Your girlfriend, you take care of her. Ladies and gents, so that's right, it's time to kick this off 
we are gonna stand up and sound off like we've got up here. Uh, we have the Evil Dead franchise selected by Ryan Lewis, who got this purely because uh, he had a golden ticket in the Puppet Master franchise. He then fell ill. That golden ticket would have allowed him to pick any movie within that franchise to jump in on. I felt guilty that he didn't get an opportunity to voice his beautiful, sexy, deep voice on that podcast. So I said, listen, man, you can pick a franchise. And he was like, that. I'll do one better. If I get to pick the franchise, I get to pick the movie. I was like, cool. He said, let's do Evil Dead. And I want Evil Dead 2. I was like, right, we can make that happen. And then assemble the crew of other podcasters. And we could see on some level, uh, my guest that we're about to speak to landed solid gold with this one when his name was picked out of the hat. He is the host of The Witch Versus The Doomsday Clock, a podcast that not only have I had the privilege and pleasure of guesting on several times, but I think if you are not checking it out, then you're doing yourself a disservice. It is one of the more unique podcasts in a library, a sea of similar sounding podcasts. It's the one that isn't, and that kind of makes it awesome. It's the one that you kind of want to see it not become big because then you can be a hipster about it and like it before it became cool but at the same time you also want it to be huge because this guy deserves it for the work and effort he puts in joining me for the evil dead is the fantastic the witch how you doing sir well i'm gonna need a little bit of quiet time by myself after that introduction mate to be quite honest <laughs> well you can just go while we're recording it's cool it's- I mean, yeah, it's under the desk. No, I am absolutely <laughs> awesome, uh, stepping well away from what I do in my own time. Uh, and I, I fully agree. I got the fucking lucky dip on this one. I am pumped. Yeah, th- this is this is the this is the original. We did the best. We did the greatest. It's the biggest. It's better. Oh, you know, this is the, this is the one that came first. Yes. I think um, former guest of the show Doug Tilly basically said that this is the movie that inspired a generation of filmmakers to achieve dreams with no budget. Um, yes. It's the, yes. the archetype of that. No, that's a video nasty as well, which kind of makes me excited. I do love talking about them nasties every now and again. The good ones mm. anyway. Uh, wow. <laughs> no frozen scream hey. on this bitch. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> oh man, right. So let, let me, let me kind of set things up and then you've got four questions to answer, son. I can't wait to hear your answers. Uh, this one was written and directed by Sam Raimi. It was made in 1981, never made its way to the UK until 83, then appeared on the Video Nasties list. And then Sam Raimi came across and fought the good fight in the courts and got overturned. Because um, turns out like people like uh, Mary Whitehouse and stuff picked the picked a fight with someone they did not expect to be as uh, clued up eloquent and as clever as he was uh, Sam Raimi being the D. Snyder of, of horror <laughs> in court <laughs> uh, so this uh, movie stars Bruce Campbell Ellen Sandwis, uh, Richard D. Manicor I think that's wrong but it's cool. okay. Nah, B- Betsy Baker, Teresa Tilly, Philip A. Gillis uh, Dorothy Taper Cheryl Gutridge, Barbara Carey, and well, these are a lot of people that we don't need to know about. Um, the synopsis for this one is five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. Which, my friends, you have four questions to ask. The first one is super simple and should be should be interesting. What, if anything, does Evil Dead do right? Wow, there are so many things it does right, and you mentioned it like in the title. Considering that the budget that this was on, 
it puts together you know a, a fucking masterclass in how to do horror with like zero bucks mm-hmm. yeah um you know yeah you know straight away that you know it's on a limited budget but that doesn't enter into it like you not not got that mental thing in the gun oh that's cheap oh that's you know uh yeah, it's clear they had no money and it really didn't work everything about this says you know what to expect you know what you're gonna get and it just fucking swings for the bleachers yeah this is a movie that really it's <laughs> what, what i kind of love about evil dead is how fucking audacious it is for a first movie you know what I mean? This yeah. this is a movie that just really... It's like, right, strap yourselves in. We are about to let you see something you have not seen before. You, I know mm. you, I know you think you've seen Splatter. I know you've lived through those Herschel Gordon-Lewis movies. And I know you've done all that. And you think you know where you're going. You've seen nothing <laughs> until you've no. seen this. The specific scene of the pencil... Um, oh to this day is one of the few moments in in horror cinema where I have to turn my eyes away from the screen Um, I think it's so effective and so easy and so clever and so creative Um, and I'm I'm sure that the legend is that the sound effect is them actually just jamming a pencil into an apple Um, which is uh, an apple soaked in blood (laughs) Yeah, it's just so fucking clever and it works Mm. so well so so well Mm. That I mean, when you're on that level, like Evil Dead is, it's like a roller coaster of of the depraved, and and, and the best possible way. It just it keeps the weird thing about the movie is it keeps outdoing itself. The further you yeah. get into it, the more the you can see the more the confidence and the creativity is coming out. But when you think you've seen everything in this movie, you then look at your watch and realize there's still 45 minutes left. Uh, like you're in there and you're going, what what else could happen? You know, what more is going to become of poor Ash? And and Sam just goes, uh, you want to see something really cool? And just fucking <laughs> rips it out. <laughs> and he, you're there just going, what more can this this poor guy deal with? Oh, look, you know, we'll just smash him with guts. We'll shoot him. We'll do everything we can to him. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going and going. And you know, look, you, you mentioned mentioned the sound, and that's one of the one of the big things about this movie. It sets atmosphere with a really like quite limited soundtrack yeah but you know the emotional response you get from the music and the soundscape is just fucking amazing yeah this movie's great it's weirdly grounded um if you know what i mean where we don't get a lot of time to spend with our characters but you instantly and it's that it's that bruce campbell thing where you know he's the obvious leading man you very quickly Mm. attach yourself to him and as you go through the journey of what that character goes through, you feel weirdly connected to him. Um, and it does. This is a, a movie that goes, what, an hour and 20, 22, 23 minutes or something. I mean, it's an hour and 25 was the version that I watched. Yeah, so like an hour and 25 minutes. And the journey that character takes in that hour and 25 minutes is fucking insane. But at no point do you not feel that you are it's weird it is is the more preposterous it gets the more grounded ash as a character gets it's so weird that Mm. it's like they almost juxtapose it to make him to make him more uh, he's a really likable cat that's the thing that's the thing about him he's He's very human you know he's he's very relatable he's you know look he doesn't do anything massively spectacular you know, he's not super strong or he's not, you know, massively athletic. He's just a dude in the worst possible situation. You know, he's he's faced with literally 
potentially having to chainsaw his girlfriend in pieces. Mm -hmm. You know, he's seen her possessed by a demon. He knows that she's gone, but he still can't bring himself to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's wonderful as well. Let's talk. Let's spin it a little bit more into the effects as well. So, for a limited budget, they pull no punches in in how much oh. how much uh, gore and viscera is put in this movie. I mean, it's it's this is this is where the money goes, surely. Well, I'm not sure if there was a lot of money in it, but I know they spent a lot of money on Cairo syrup as, <laughs> as a blood substitute because there are literally just gallons of that stuff flowing across the screen, uh, you know, out of the pipes, mm -hmm. uh, out of every available corpse. And look, so, some of the effects are a bit, um, to use a term of yours, a bit ropey. Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. There's a couple of bits where you go, was that cornflakes? Um, <laughs> but you don't see it for long enough to be able to go, nah, uh, you know, I've seen it four times now at the same angle and it looks rubbish. You just sort of go, oh, and then it moves on and it's quick enough that it moves on or it comes in at a, you know, like a Dutch angle and you think, oh, okay, it's just sort of just off center enough that you're not really fully focused on the detail other than the fact that it's scary. Yeah, yeah, I think and like, in terms of like budget and what they could do and some of the ropey effects and all the rest, it's weird how similar the career of someone like Sam Raimi is to someone like Peter Jackson, mm. uh, who both start off doing very, very similar movies, although Peter Jackson kind of trumps uh, the, the gross out value by quite a bit. Um, yeah, well, you know, he, he brought us the famous line, that's my mother you're pussing on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the two of those guys go off and obviously I think it's a testament to the fact they can construct movies with such a limited budget that means that both of them end up with massive franchises with Sam Raimi mm. doing the like Spider-Man stuff that he did for the while there uh, and in the same time period you have Peter Jackson doing the the Lord of the Rings stuff that he was doing as these guys kind of graduate through but Evil, De Evil Dead's pedigree is ridiculous when you consider that this is the kind of first mention very early mention of, of, of one of the Coen brothers being attached to a Raimi project true. as well yeah, um, very true I can never remember if it's Joel or if it's Ethan that's involved with this one. I want to say it's Joel. Um, yeah, sure. Let's go with Joel. I'm yeah. fairly covered. They're interchangeable. <laughs> they do things. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they, you know, the fact that they work together on this indie kind of movie as well, and then you spiral out just a couple of years. You've got Evil Dead 2, which is this more refined, polished movie. And within, mm. what, two, three years of this movie coming out, um, Blood Simple's released, which. It's like maybe one of my favourite Coen brothers, and that's a whole Such a fucking great. It's one of those conversations that will get covered on podcasts under the stairs soon. This is a tenuous link to the director's <laughs> conversation that it will be coming up this year, covering all the Coen brothers stuff. But it's just it's it's so cool that these guys go from doing what they're doing there into bigger things. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that like Sam Raimi's what twenty twenty one when he makes this movie. He's a young oh, dude. Yeah, look, well, so, is, so is Campbell. I mean, they're all very young, and I mean, they've been friends for, you know, like most of their lives. Yeah. They know each other really well, and it's clear that Raimi's got, he's able to translate the vision in his mind. Yes. To, you know, to whatever medium he's got, regardless of, of budget. He knows what he wants, he's going to get it done, 
And, you know, I mean, I think it helped that they'd all worked together, you know, on various sort of student films and short films and everything else. I think that was a big part of it. And they, look, they put their bodies on the line yep. in this movie. Oh, yes. You know, you read um, Bruce Campbell's biography and the stuff he talks about that happened making this movie is absolutely insane. Yeah, but this is, this is what happened. Like, it's a different time back then when... I think indie movies, to an extent, are still dangerous places depending on where the money's coming from. If you're shooting all yourself, you don't have to have... Um, you don't have to have health and safety there and all the rest telling you what you can do, what you can't do. But this is a time period where anything goes. You know what I mean? Absolutely oh, anything yeah. goes. And to get the effect... You can't afford stuntmen, so Bruce Campbell puts himself through what he's doing and how he has not like cracked ribs, broken arms or, or whatever like in his career, especially in these two movies, is is yeah. beyond me. I mean a lot of people throw like, well look at Tom Cruise, he's fifty and he's jumping off a building. And I'm like, Yeah, that's cool. Like, like he snaps his ankle and then continues making the rest of the movie. That's awesome. But He also know, gets like three hundred million dollars to do it. Yeah, like you jump back a couple of decades and you've got people like Bruce Campbell putting themselves through like real physical torture and pain for the art form to deliver a, a movie which they didn't even know when they were making would even would even go away. Even get released. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, 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 well, this, I, I imagine putting all that on the line, trying to release it in the UK and then hearing it's been put on a ban list and, mm. and going, well... You know what do we do? You know what do we do? We've, we've done all this for naught. We've lost this market. And in actual fact, by making it a video nasty, all you did was like put a giant neon banner above it to people in the UK saying, "Watch this fucking movie." Uh, the government thinks you uh, should wasn't see just, it. Wasn't just the UK that that banner went over it. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. I saw I saw this when it hit, um, a hit video in what nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Yeah, and I was 14 and this was like oh my god this is like there were like 10 of us in a room just like stuck in front of this television because we had to see this movie because it had been banned <laughs> it's so good it's so cool that like, it probably did more for the press of this movie than anything could have and rightly so I think it elevates it highlights it and it makes it makes you appreciate it for what it is now Granted, I, I think if I show the Evil Dead to my daughter <laughs> now, she think it's ridiculous, right? And she's, she's oh. very young; she shouldn't be watching Evil Dead anyway. But if she was, I think it's, it's just over the top. But at the time, like I remember the first time I saw this movie would have been very late eighties, maybe early nineties, on a VHS rip, and it was a copy, and the copy was terrible, and that kind of added to the. The, the unsettling oh, yeah. feeling that I had watching it. it, it felt, it felt taboo. It felt like something you shouldn't be watching. Oh, it felt dirty. It yeah, felt dirty. Yeah, you passing this this videotape around people to so you could sit and watch it, and hopefully your parents wouldn't catch you watching it. Um, it just, it there was it was just something about it that that really struck with me, and I think it comes down to all these things we're discussing about as positives within Evil Dead. It's that idea of of kind of fresh faces with a singular vision that are kind of learning the trade as they're going along. Um, they're surrounded by people that really everyone that's pitching in on this one to make sure they can give it the best experience and the best movie they can. And if that means putting themselves in physical danger, they will. It's kind of working out how to do practical effects 
on the spot here with, with very little money and, and at times making the effects so over the top that somehow it makes them worse. It makes them, yeah, it makes them, well, it makes them like more shocking. Yeah. And I mean, you're covering that with the fact that, you know, they were making up like camera techniques, you know, Vassa vision by, you know, sliding a camera down a, down a two by four with mm-hmm. Vaseline on it mm-hmm. just to get, you know, like paint shots and everything else, you know, they were literally doing everything by the seat of their pants. And that just makes it that much better. It does. It does. It makes the movie, regardless what your opinions are overall on Evil Dead, it's a movie that demands respect. You know what I mean? It's a movie yeah. that you just, you, until you understand how difficult it is to do things, um, in terms, of, it's easier now because people can get their hands on like an iPhone and shoot a film. But back then, with with the ability to try and do things yourself without money, to be able to deliver a movie like this is is almost mind blowing uh, in that respect. Um, let's pivot. Let's pivot because we have mentioned like uh, talking about like corn, <laughs> obvious cornflakes that have been painted and stuff. Um, Evil Dead. What does it not do well? Um. I think there is serious abuse of the fog machine in this movie. It's hiding a lot in this movie. Which, you know, again, you can understand it's on a budget, but there's like, no, seriously, fuck off with the fog. All right, just fuck off with the fog. It, it, it's it's not covering up, you know, too, too much stuff. I think... Um, the, the other things that are in there, that, and this is, again, it's it's putting on my, my critical um, horror nerd hat. Um, the architecture in that cabin is fucking ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that cabin has way too many fucking rooms, right? Yeah, someone needs to way do a Room 237 documentary on the, the Kubrickian design of the Evil Dead cabin. Yeah. <laughs> and... I, <laughs> Because it's just like, I mean, I'm all for it. If you can get that much shit out of, out of essentially a one-room cabin, more fucking power to you, Sam. <laughs> uh, I think the only other thing that I think it didn't do well was there was uh, there was some continuity issues and there was a bit of overuse of, um, like, floodlight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on the front of the house, like, there were lights there, there weren't lights there, there were lights behind stuff. And, again, it was obviously to, to try and set a bit of mood, but it threw it out. It threw out the feel. Like there's a there's a scene in the shed um, when Ash is he, he's looking at Linda's body, and there's a spotlight coming in through the roof, and it's super bright. And he's sort of going, it, it looked like a spotlight rather than atmospheric. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's kind of I think that's what kind of threw it off for me. Yeah, look, there's uh, Cheryl in the in the basement when she's like banging up against it, and it's clearly a head on a stick. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fucking out. Someone just going, meh, meh, just smash the head on a stick. That, meh, again, but it wasn't, I suppose, overused to the point where you're just going. No, I know it's 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 cheap, and I know it's a bit shit. Just fucking stop. It was there, and I went, ah, saw it, and then it was gone, and it was it was kind of okay. I think that that to, on some level, that's the one. That's the one thing about being a young filmmaker as well is that I think you get caught up in the moment. So it's the negative side of things is that a seasoned yeah. director would be like that. We only really need to use this once. Or even a, a like a, a a quality editor would sit there and mm. say, right, so why are we doing this effect four or five times when we could do it once or twice and get the same impact? 
Um, or, or maybe use something else, you know, to, to throw it off so you're not really focusing on it too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah. I, I, th- I would agree with you on that. There are a couple of things in here which are maybe just uh, they lose a poignancy because they're used a bit too much. Yeah, and, and I think the only other thing that I could really throw at it is the, the stop-motion corpse decay at the end. Mm-hmm. That was too long that was too like if it had just gone with the initial just like melting a la indiana jones and fall fall apart it probably would have been okay but it's sort of they all melt and then for some unknown reason big demon hands shoot out of the body and then the bodies are uh leaking out porridge yeah (laughs) now i mean i've eaten a fair bit of porridge in my life but not enough for it to come shooting out all my holes You have the easiest question out of the, the, the whole bunch here when it comes to part three. Um, because, well, let's be honest, like in terms of the Evil Dead canon, this is the first one. So if I ask you if it breaks any rules, it kind of sets the rules. It uh, does. It sets all the rules. It says, fuck you to everybody else. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, so I'll, I'll change the question slightly. Let's say, hypothetically, you had been asked to make the second Evil Dead movie. So we're, we're now living in a world where that Evil Dead 2 doesn't exist. Um, okay. Uh, what would you have done with the story? How, how would you have taken it in a different direction? Or would you would you have felt that revisiting the cabin with Ash again is the logical way to go? Because it seems to be the bit that people either go with or don't go with when it comes to the second movie, as well as the humour in the second movie fans of Evil Dead either love the idea of going back to the cabin and kind of redoing it again but with more comedic tones or they don't like it for going back to the cabin to do that so what's what's your view on it where would you have taken it so I I think um if I was gonna gonna redo the whole lot and I had the money I would actually take it um almost it down the poltergeist path in that the cabin burnt down, um, the woods have got cleared, and now they're building houses on that, and they build a house right on top of that location. And um, as part of that, they find the scorched up book, and all of a sudden, it's a whole lot of people just getting like ripped to shreds and possessed, and it's on a much wider scale. Nice. And then Ash comes back going, oh my God, I know what this is. And bom, 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 and he saves the day. Love it. Love it. I, I, in a parallel universe, that's the version of that movie I want to see. Yeah. Well, and then we can get, you know, more of the, the Linda, we're going to get you yeah. type acting, except with like a little kid who dies. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about little kids in, in movies? Yeah, they should all die, obviously. That's how they shouldn't die horribly. Yeah. <laughs> Right, um, let's let's swing it to you have to convince someone to watch The Evil Dead or put them off watching The Evil Dead. You need, you need to take a stance on this one, whether you're recommending this movie or not recommending this movie to someone that has never seen it before. You have one scene to do, one or the other. What would it be and why? Okay, so I, I can actually do this because I had this discussion today. Nice! I had this discussion with um, my 14-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, I'm 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 gonna watch this movie. Um, you've got two choices: you can stay or you can go." Um, and because I like 
my wife was out, my son was doing other stuff. And like quite often she'll sit and watch a movie with me. And she said, no, no, I really want to stay. And in my mind, uh, I'm trying to go, well, I need to obviously tip her one way or the other. And it was it was really straightforward. Um, I, I looked her square in the eye and said, how do you feel about tree rape? <laughs> and uh, she went, ew, dad, that's gross. Uh, <laughs> And suitably left the room. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going, but I'm so glad that's where you went. Oh. Oh. I wants to know where you thought I was going to go. But... I had no idea. I had no idea where it was going to go, but I'm so glad that's where you went. Yeah, so that's, that, that would be the scene if, if, I, if you met me or like in, on the street we were chatting about things and I was like that I need to, I want to watch a horror movie and you were like that and I said to you I've always yep. heard about this Evil Dead in terms of you recommending the movie you would say Tree Rape yeah how do you feel about Tree Rape there, now, there are some people going to go you fucking what and other people <laughs> going to go you know um, Room Full of Teenage Boys it's fucking 100% I'm on yes I want to see it <laughs> and I, well, I know that was one of the one of the selling points when I saw it in 1983. It was like, yeah. there's a chick that gets attacked by trees and they pee. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> in. Oh, uh, yes. Good thing, bad thing. Tree rape. There we go. There we go. Right. So last question I need to ask you. This feels academic. Um, is, is your grade for this one? You know fine well that on this show yeah. we do Netflix grades. Um, nice and simple, easy to follow. One is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, five is loved it. What would you give The Evil Dead? I'm going to give The Evil Dead 4.5 out of 5. I am 100% with you. It's a 4.5 from me as well. It gets exactly the same grade um, that I would give uh, the remake. I think they're both set the same. Yeah. They're not my favourite in the franchise. I know that you're probably of the same opinion as me. Yes. Yeah, so, and that, that review is coming up next. I can't wait to get into oh that one. Um, I know some people disagree with that. Some people think that the if you're Blockley, for example, uh, the first movie is the pinnacle of the series and everyone is a lesser version. Um, yeah, but Blockley the third one as well, so... Oh, he did. yeah, wait till you hear that one. Wait till that episode drops, ladies and gents. Uh, he will he will tell you right now. Uh, and he, he, he basically pisses all over that movie. So, <laughs> strap yourselves in. Uh, takes a massive, a massive nostalgia dump right on top of that. Right in the face. Right in the face of that movie. Just it's not nice, not nice at all. Um, like I said at the start, you are uh, the host of it's a fucking great podcast uh, every time I listen to it I'm instantly more jealous that it's better than mine <laughs> it's just just so I'm, I'm not too sure about that it's just it's, different it's just so much better conceived it's like it's, the, it's one of the more unique experiences in podcasting and I'm not just saying that to, to, to stroke you off on the show it, is, it really is genuinely fucking awesome and I love it dearly um, tell people out there where they can check which versus the Doomsday's clock you can find Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. We're also now on Spotify. If you search for WYCH, you will find it pretty much everywhere, uh, anywhere on your Android device. I'm also on Instagram, the Facebooks, Twitter. We have a group on Facebook so you can come and see us. It's uh, 
facebook.com slash groups slash which versus the doomsday clock uh it is i'm i'm committed to putting out weekly episodes mm-hmm. this year I've, I've decided i'm gonna do that and actually do the work uh it is uh traditionally about 15 minutes although some of the more recent ones have stretched out to about 50 thanks to my very enthusiastic guests like duncan um <laughs> It is, it's just, it's genre film, it's horror, it's all sorts of stuff. It is good fun. Um, I love doing it. Uh, I love anyone to listen to it. Have fun and uh, yeah, get on board. It's it's good for a bit of a laugh and you can do it while you're having a smoke, taking a dump, do whatever you want. It's great. There we go. Could not have said it better if I tried. Uh, thank you very much for kicking off this Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. I dare say you'll be back. We are overdue uh, just having a witch on for... A little bit of chat about movies so we will make that happen we'll try and get something sorted out march april time and get you back on chatting about something thank you always a blast chatting to you my friend right i am going to take a short break just now ladies and gents you're going to hear promos for shows that i love you're going to hear the trailer for evil dead 2 when i return my guest the man that basically selected this franchise will be joining me is a man that doesn't do many podcasts anymore but when he does he doesn't want podcasts under the stairs which should make all of the podcasts jealous um i'm going to be back with a fantastic ryan lewis right after this hey feeling down feeling low Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead comes Evil Dead 2.
and welcome back, ladies and gents. So this is the second and final review of this first part of the Evil Dead Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. We're looking at Evil Dead 2 from 1987. Joining me is the man who chose, he fucking chose this franchise. Not only did he choose the franchise, he got a bit greedy, but we'll let him off with it because he's suffered through hell on these before. He, <laughs> he chose the movie that he wanted to review. He was like, Duncan, Evil Dead, I'm just letting you know right now, Evil Dead 2 is off the fucking table. Everyone else can pick up the scraps. This is my movie. And I was like, Ryan... I will not argue with you because you sound like you could kill me. <laughs> so <laughs> I will not mess with you. Um, and so, so thus was burst an idea, which has finally made its way here. I've already kind of introduced him, but let me formally introduce him. He's legitimately one of my favourite people to speak to. I don't get to do it nearly as often as I want, but when I do, I always have a fucking blast. It is, of course, the fantastic Ryan Lewis. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well, brother. I am doing so good. I am sitting here with my uh, Necronomicon replica that I made, with my Henrietta fucking uh, NECA figure, with my... Uh, dude, I, just, I got four Evil Dead figures sitting in front of me right now with a big-ass smile on my face, and I can't wait to talk about this one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So let's give you some information on it. This was directed by Sam Raimi. It was written by Sam Raimi and Scott Spiegel. Uh, the movie stars some familiar names here. Bruce Campbell, Sarah Berry, Dan Hicks, Cassie Wesley, DePavia, Ted Raimi, Denise Bixter, uh, Richard Domier, John Peaks, Lou Hancock, Snowy Winters. There are some other folks in here, but let's continue on to the synopsis is listed on IMDb. The lone survivor of an onslaught of flesh-possessing spirits holds up in a cabin with a group of strangers while the demons continue their attack. Ryan Lewis, I have four important questions to ask you. Are you ready, sir? I am certainly ready, sir. Let me swing into the first one. I don't know how many points you'll have for this first one because uh, this is this is such a such a question which mm. you know yeah opens the door to, to very little wiggle room he laughs um and the first question mm-hmm. i'm gonna ask you is what the hell does evil dead 2 do right evil dead 2 does everything right <laughs> good answer good answer there is not a bit of this film that i have any issues with every ounce of this film makes me smile all these years later and still makes me wince at some of the over-the-top practical effect gore muppets running around and everything it brings the character of ash to a level that he will never be topped it brings just the whole idea of evil dead to a larger scale it brings um a simplistic idea in a way of the original film and brings it to almost mythical proportions it brings in time travel it brings in prophesized ones it brings in giant tree monsters with you know apple you know rotten apple faces Mm -hmm. it brings in you know headless chainsaw puppets it brings in you know the hand getting cut off and over the top uh slapstick it proves that Bruce Campbell is a master of what he does. It 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 it, it does everything right. It everything. takes every every little aspect that was started off in the original Evil Dead. It enhances it. You know, some people have issues 
and saying, you know, the comedy bend and some people are kind of dumbasses and think that Ash brought a second woman back to the cabin, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> we all know that even Ash isn't that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't think of anything that this thing does wrong. I, I can't, I'm kind of way there, dude, honestly. I, I've said it many times when it comes to the Evil Dead franchise, there's one movie that's a perfect movie for me, and that's Evil Dead 2. Um, I think this movie is the... This is what happens when a group of directors go out and kind of turn the genre on its head and then sit down and look at it and say, if only we had a bit more money, if only we'd had a bit more time these are the elements we would have tightened up and I don't understand how no one knew we were trying to do comedy in the first movie mm. uh, maybe it didn't come across all that well It's I, I actually, funnily enough because I'm recording these reviews out of order um, we've already made reference to this when I was speaking to Andy Blockley about the, the kind of Toby Hooper effect here so to- Toby Hooper makes and people will hear it more eloquently put on the next part but Toby Hooper does Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, is surprised that no one finds it as funny as he does. <laughs> and, then right. he, and then he makes a second one and makes it far, he leans far more at the comedy just to make sure that we understand that there is humour in that movie. And it's kind of the same here. Like Sam Raimi makes the first movie and when you speak to him about it, he's like that, yeah, it kind of has slapstick hu- Did you guys not get that? Did no, yeah. one get, did no one get that? Right, well, what I'll do is, I'm, in the next movie I make... I'm going to lean a bit more into that and it's far more blatant in the front of the screen but I think it works so well I think you need like the half the reason Evil Dead 2 at times is as scary as it is is you're offset without the humour and the, the the laugh of it you have this laugh and then it's juxtaposed with something really fucking grim um, and it's that kind of it diffuses the situation as well you, you need that opportunity to after Ash has been so fucking brutally tormented, take a breath and go, oh, right, and then, you know, one of my favourite scenes in this movie, one of my favourite scenes in horror all time um, is this idea of how close laughter and insanity are together. Mm. And it is done incredible in this one with the the laughing moose head and the chair starts laughing and the fucking light starts laughing and then Ash starts laughing and we're laughing along a bit and how quickly that laughter turns from kind of hysterical laughter to hysteria um, right. and it twists and he acts it so fucking well to the point where it seems painful to laugh and everything takes on this really sinister twist um, and I think, that's, I think it's fucking brilliant, I think he is phenomenal in this movie I think it's like it's it's very easy to to say oh well he's just acting goofy and he is just acting goofy but to be able to turn in a performance on this level which is you know wounded at the loss loss of your love confused tortured funny all in all in the space of an hour and a half is is a, a tall order for any actor but Bruce Campbell makes it look effortless I think that's to me is one of the things that makes a movie perfect. And you're talking about going through all those ranges of motion through an hour and a half. There's scenes in this movie where he goes through those levels of emotion, the gamut of emotions within two minutes. And he just fluctuates in between them. And you see his reactions, like you said, turn from hyster- from pure laughing madness to hysteria, to shock, to worry, to crying, to, to everything and screaming in agony. And he does it in like 
a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And it's it's staggering if you really sit back and just look at his performance more yeah. than anything else. Yeah. The movie's pinned on his performance. You substitute Bruce Campbell with any other actor, it doesn't have the impact. This movie doesn't work. Right, right. Which is why, you know, no matter how much I love that remake, okay, and I really do, I really love the Evil Dead remake. I enjoy what they were doing. Um, that guy with the blue shirt that's, uh, you know, <laughs> taking the place of the Ash Roll will say, uh, you know, he does nothing for me and he never has because anybody else in that type of position, it just doesn't work. Yeah. I think, yeah, to me, I think that was one of the, the clever things about the remake is the fact that you think he's going to be the the kind of final guy standing in and the movie pivots towards the end and goes, nah, it's me. Right. And you're like, all right, I, never, I legitimately never saw that come in. And I'm quite glad because this not quite Ash is not the guy I want to follow. Right. Then that's the thing. And that's why it totally worked for me. Because the entirety of the film, I was like, this guy, you know, I can't see him being badass. I can't see him switching on a dime. I can't see him do any of this. He just doesn't deserve to wear that blue shirt. And then, oh, (laughs) it's not about him. It's not about him at all. That's awesome. So, yeah, then it won me over and I completely fell in love with that film. But back to Evil Dead 2. Yes, yes. So, another thing that I really love about the movie, um, and it's only when you watch it more and more, is the fact that the the even down to the gore in this movie, like that, you know what? Every time someone gets blood poured on them, it's going to be a different colour. Doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be red, and you know what? The impact will be just the same, and it really is. It's surprising when like Ash is shot like about ten holes in the wall, and then gets blasted with about ten different colours. It's just as effective as if it was just like one continuous red spray on his face. I think that's really well done. I love the, once again, one of the the most iconic scenes, in my opinion, in 80s horror, is the camera panning off when he has the chainsaw, um, and you just see him scream as this arterial spray of blood just goes right Mm. up the front of his face. I think it's fucking brilliant. This movie, you think when you go from doing a kind of indie movie like the first one is that idea of right we're just going to throw loads of blood and splatter that when they come to meet the more refined version the second version you cut back on that and it's like no 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 we we, we have to we have to do more right guys we have to do, can we do more yeah let's do more then and they really do I'd like some of the effects in this movie are so ahead of the, its time even down to whether it's Ash being teleported uh, at great velocity from the house backwards into the, the puddle and you know twisting around and spinning and not like they, they refined that effect as well to make it to make it look better I just the the fact that the movie doesn't really I mean there are scenes in this movie and you know the ones if you watched it enough where you can see kind of behind the scenes <laughs> you can see maybe the suit split a little bit and you can see a bit too much of Ted um, mm. but For some reason, it just adds to the movie. You know, it doesn't detract from it. If anything, it makes it more endearing. I think that's really well done. Oh, I fully agree with that. Every that's why I say this film is perfect. There are countless flaws. There's times you could see above the rafters. You could see, you know, scaffolding. You could see, you know, I believe at one point you could even see a camera person. You know, you could see the the crack of Ted Raimi's ass with sweat pouring out of it. You could see all these things. But it doesn't matter. None of that matters. When you're watching this film, you get so caught up in the story, in the hilarity, in everything that this film has to offer. And it just it's just completely endearing to you. Yeah. This it's it was perfected. 
every idea of this series was perfected in this film. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even give possible higher marks to to you know a film for doing what it set out to do. We'll say even that that scene when he cuts off his um, girlfriend's head and then it drops in the lap and he goes in the work shed and he's going to be cut again and the body runs in. Mm-hmm. Even the special effects people that were working on this film said that they read that scene and as they were reading that scene, they thought it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying and how how amazing that scene's going to be. But Raimi just insisted, no, no, I, I, I want it toned down. I mm-hmm. want it to look like a puppet because it'll be funny because people will laugh their ass off. We'll have this exhilarating scene with this thing running at him and then you look at it and if you really, really look at it, it's the most ridiculous thing in the fucking world. <laughs> and that's brilliant. The the level of comedy and horror, the balance, that is so fucking difficult. Yeah. So many people, they go one direction too much or vice versa. You talk to Andy B- Blockley. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, they, they will hear him go off, by the way. That man does not spare his words. Right, right, right. He, he thinks Army of Darkness split a little bit too much in the wrong direction. But um, this film, it's it's pitch fucking perfect. Agreed. Agreed. I, can, I couldn't agree more. So let's pivot around then. Um <laughs> knowing that we've lavished so much praise on it, is there anything Evil Dead 2 doesn't do well? <laughs> that was kind of the answer I thought you were going to go with, Ryan. If I was going to, I had, I had it in my head. Expect sigh. Um, so <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you something that just popped into my head. The only thing I think they could have done better in any way is recast some people to be the friends that showed up with the girlfriend in the beginning of this film. So people wouldn't have this confusion over the years thinking that this was a second visit to the cabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the only flaw I could possibly even think. I I am going to be controversial and say we could have one less Bobby Joe scream. (laughs) <laughs> just just maybe one or two less it, it does get that it reminds me of uh, as, uh, as Friday part five is it with, with the the dude on the bike Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh for yeah. fucks! Someone gag this man, please. But without without all the Bobby Joe screams, it it wouldn't be such a beautiful juxtaposition mm-hmm. of uh, the boyfriend Bobby Joe <laughs> screaming for fifty thousand times before Ash changes. I will give you that. I'll give you that criticism because you know Bobby Joe's scream was intense. Yes, but at the same token, you know I I, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the only thing that comes to mind at all. Uh, I love the whole like going back to stuff that I love that some people may throw as a negative. I know quite quite a few people don't like necessarily where this movie finishes off. They think it kind of jumps the shark, and I don't. I'm, I'm like that. What, what were you going to do in the third movie? We're going to have it set back in the cabin again. No. You need to branch this out and let's not branch it into the real world let's play with it we've already set up the kind of slapstick comedy element that to me the next installment is a natural progression 
of where we've gone. If you think the first movie is horror movie, second movie is horror comedy, third movie is comedy horror. So you know, it's it's kind of it's naturally been moving that way all along. So even that, as long as a negative, I think is a positive. So maybe yeah, the, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, it's how it's how I land with it. Um, right then. Since there, there's very little in the negative camp, I knew there was going to be very little there, Ryan. Um, let's 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 kind of let's nail this down then. So there is a whole hell of a lot of confusion. I sometimes myself get caught up in said confusion about exactly where this fits in the timeline. What's exactly going on here? Did Ash escape the cabin? Go back to work and then just decide I'm going to go back to the cabin. <laughs> um, or is the beginning of this movie just basically a recap without saying previously on Evil Dead? Um, spell it out for us a bit better here. In terms of the canon then, is this being like the second instalment in the franchise? Uh, you said that maybe they could have handled this better but does it jump the shark does it break the canon of the rules set out in the first movie or is it is it biggest crime really just not being a bit more specific with the way it starts i think the uh, well if you listen to the commentary and you know i'm an evil dead freak i love every single aspect of this series and you listen to the commentary with bruce campbell Mm-hmm. They they say they couldn't get the rights to any of the footage of the first one because it was different, com- completely different um, production company. And I believe he even said that he tried to get they tried to get some of the actors to come back, but they all refused. They just mm-hmm. said they wouldn't. So he said, "All right, so we're gonna have to do it just the girlfriend." But he goes, "This is a direct sequel to the original." He goes, "Watch it. If you want to completely think of it that way, just watch it from the point." where he gets hit and goes flipping through the trees and then lands in the puddle because that is the direct ending of the original film. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing you have to, to um, I don't know, cross your eyes or use your imagination on is the fact that the fruit cellar door is now magically fixed again and that the Book of the Dead, which he burnt, is now no longer burnt. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, that's a bit of a jump the shark moment. But, you know, if you continue through the series and then you watch even the remake and then you watch even into the Evil Dead uh, television series, the book can't be burnt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they tried and he thought and maybe that was enough to weaken him at the time. But then after that, it just, I don't know, it leaped out of the fireplace and it was fine. There we go. See, easy as that. Easy as that. Explained. There is now no longer ambiguity. If you've listened to this, that is the timeline, ladies and gents. Does it fit on? Well, if even if you take those um, those ele- elements of continuity, then things being fixed, etc. But with justification and explanation, then does Evil Dead Two break any rules? Then, or is it the perfect follow-on from the first movie? To me, this is one of, if not the greatest follow-up to any film ever oh right Damn. it really does it it like like i said it, it has flaws when it comes to things and it might even have little moments that you're like well that doesn't completely match up it's just i don't know it's there's something about it that it is so easy for me to on those moments where it doesn't completely match up just switch off that part of my brain and say oh it's fine yeah. And it, it could very well be my just total love for the film or even nostalgia for the film. But there's something about it that 
to me, it I could easily place it in one universe. I could easily place it in one timeline. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, shit, even down to the remake. You know, that's that's to me, it's the same universe, just different dimension. So. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it follows suit. I think it's exactly the way it should be, and it's, I believe it's an absolutely perfect follow-up. Nice, nice. Um, what order did you see these in? Because, I, I mean, I remember I always saw Evil Dead 2 before I saw Evil Dead. Um, and I don't think, even if I'd seen them the other way around, I'd like to think that my position on them wouldn't change. I'd still think Evil Dead 2 was a superior film. But I do know there's a lot of people that use the the case or cite the case i saw evil dead first and then i saw evil dead 2 my i prefer evil dead over evil dead 2 or some people do it the other way around and say well i saw the second one first so all my fondness and all my memories are there for that second one so when i watch the first one and i kind of see a bit more of the seams uh, and I kind of see it as being a, a kind of lesser production overall. I tend to opt for the second one. Uh, what order did you see them in? Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 as well. I saw two first, and then I saw Army of Darkness, frankly. Mm. So that was my order. And then I went back and saw the first one. There was a period of time after... Um, after uh, the VHS era and everything else, when I was first getting into the Evil Dead series, that I had trouble finding the original film. Yeah. But I had no problem whatsoever finding Army of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. And <laughs> so that was the follow-up. So I was like, okay, went from uh, comedy horror, or horror comedy to to a, a uh, action uh, comedy horror. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is. So when I originally went back and watched the original Evil Dead, which, you know, I love that film. I was shocked at the tone. I was completely shocked at how serious they were trying to play it with the budget they had. How, you know, just seeing claymation thrown into the mix. I was like, get the fuck out of here. There's claymation in this. And um, all of that was a shock to me. And, you know, it was teenage me at, at the time. So, yeah, I guess I am one of those guys that I saw Evil Dead 2 first, and so maybe that colors my perception. But uh, I don't think so. And my four action figures in front of me don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> right then, so let's let's uh, swing it to the last question then. Nice and simple one here for you, Ryan. Um, assuming that you are going to recommend Evil Dead 2, I think that's safe to assume (laughs) you would recommend this movie can you pick out one scene in this movie that you would use to tell someone who had never seen Evil Dead 2 before you need to see this movie because you will see this this might be a interesting thought process because I a lot of people would say maybe the second Ash puts on the chainsaw and says groovy Mm -hmm. or the Henrietta fight with the chainsaw arm or Mm -hmm. any of those scenes but the scene that I would show people honestly to pique their interest would be the Bobby Joe getting drugged by the tree oh nice that scene okay which you know in the original film it's kind of harrowing in a way it too you know it leads into a tree rape and everything else but when it gets to the second one there is something about that that even bothers me more Mm -hmm. 
the whole scream as she's being drug away to seeing the little branches go through her face and mm-hmm. just like stretching things around and and smashing violently into puddles and 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 pulling up and just that that screeching sound effect to her screaming and smashing against the tree which you don't even see but my brain fills that in to a horror fan if you pay, play just that scene and don't tell them what it is, and they know nothing about Evil Dead, and you look at them afterwards and say, hey, you want to see the rest of this movie? They're going to say, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. play this shit. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a, that's a great choice, and probably one that, like you say, most people don't lean in towards. I always think, um, and it's kind of, well, I've mentioned it like, already, to me, the hand scene, mm. you, you will see a man's hand get quote-unquote possessed, uh, attack him with plates um, and then see this man not only saw his hand off with a chainsaw but then chase it around the house shooting holes in the wall I, I think there's like you you say that to someone and say have I piqued your interest most horror fans would be like yeah let me, what, what movie is that you'd be like Evil Dead 2 Get there watched. it is there, there it is. is watch it go watch it go right um let's let's do grades here this feels like the most obvious question in the history of man i kind of feel like i have to do it because i have to do it um but using <laughs> netflix grades you know what they are one is hated it two is didn't like it three is liked it four is really liked it five is loved it what <laughs> ryan surprise and shot me here <laughs> what are you going to give evil dead 2 um, you know, it will surprise people. This is getting, I, I hated it. <laughs> now, this film is the definition of loved it. I love this film so much. I've watched this film so many times. I can't even count. I'm, I didn't watch it for this review. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to. Every aspect of this film is burnt into my mind. I, I blink sometimes and I see a scene from Evil Dead 2. I go to sleep sometimes and, you know, I could be watching anything. I could be watching the Ghostbusters and I'll go to sleep and then suddenly I'll have a dream about Ash running around with a chainsaw arm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it happens with this film. This is a permanently ingrained thing into my brain. This is an absolute love it. Yep, I'm with you. It scores the highest out of all the movies. Uh, kind of giving away the scores on the next episode, but I don't give a fuck. Um, it's, it scores the highest out of all the movies for me in the franchise. It's my favourite in the franchise. I just think it's the best in the franchise. You can see five, five with a bullet for this one. So, Ryan, I can't thank you enough for one, picking this as uh, the franchise to cover, but uh, two, landing this one as well, because I always enjoy chatting movies with you, and this is one we've never chatted before, which makes me happy. Um, but... The question is, knowing that you had to pick the franchise and knowing fine well that you had to pick the movie, do you think you will put your name forward for a future Russian roulette franchise retrospective, knowing fine well that it might be a not as prestigious franchise with maybe potentially bad movies in there? Son, I have been myself my entire life. I know my luck. (laughs) (laughs) My odds of anything good happening, unless I choose it, are very few. And for the podcast out of the stairs, I don't give a shit. I jump through a fire hoop. I love this show so much, man. I'm in for anything. Nice, nice. Thank you very much. There you go. So Ryan will be back for more Russian Roulette franchise retrospective shenanigans moving forward as the year goes on. 
Oh, there we go. That felt good. That did feel good. Um, yes, it did. It, it felt good. I'm glad we got there. Glad we got there in the end. Um, right, I'm going to take my final break, ladies and gents. When I come back, I'm closing out this first part of a two-part looking at the Evil Dead franchise as part of Russian Roulette franchise retrospective on the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm closing this sucker out right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 168. It's the first of two part series for the Russian Roulette franchise retrospective looking at the Evil Dead franchise. A big thanks flung out. I'm going to throw it out there to my guests, Ryan Lewis and The Witch. Please check out Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. I was on a recent episode and it legitimately is one of my favourite shows of all time and it's always fucking great to have Ryan Lewis. What a cool dude. What a cool fucking dude. It's almost too cool. Suspiciously cool, if you know what I mean. It's always great having them on the podcast under the stairs. There's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. I say check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed, and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. But you can also check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and motherfucking Spotify. Come to our website, it's tputzcast.com. Or if you want to support us by throwing some pennies and getting some merch, you can buy posters and enamel pins by going to tputzcast.bigcartel.com. You can also support us on the social medias. On the Facebooks, we're in two places. If you want to become part of the community, interact with other listeners, go to the group page. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. If you're only interested in when the shows drop, you occasionally want to check out a live stream on a wee Thursday Thursday, then you have to go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash cast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin bronze of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeaputCast. The podcast Under the Stairs will return tomorrow. It is Movie Club. It is Listener Reviews. It's Challenge Teaputs, February 2019. And we are looking at Deathgasm. But until then, whatever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off. (laughs) 